everyone and welcome back to the SBK betting podcast. It's uh, Thursday, the 8th of February, I think. Rain coming down in its bucket loads at present all over the country. Great and miserable outlook going forward. So hoping to find maybe some mudlarks for you to look forward to this weekend as we will be previewing Newbury and their super Saturday featuring the Betford Hurdle. Also Warwick, Stages the Kingmaker, Novice Chase amongst others. But as always on this podcast, we will look back on the weekend that was a lot of pressure on one man on this podcast after a quick clean sweep of naps and next best last month. And it wasn't a bad start to February for Tom Collins, your Dublin Racing Festival selection back to file, one of several winners for Willie Mullins. I think it was nine out of 15 that he went home with. He clean sweep of all the grade ones and one of them was fat to file tom for you um, you were very keen on him he was six to four he beat gaelic warrior and what can only be described as a, a bit of a non-event in the end of it gaelic warrior seemingly not his best going left-handed i think tom what do we learn what do we learn from him what do we learn from the festival in general we weren't overly excited about it going into it how do you review it yeah, I'm still not overly excited. Look, the DRF is going to throw up plenty of winners. I was very impressed with Factorfile. Obviously, as you say, he was the horse I was looking forward to on the Sunday, and he really wowed me with his performance. But then Gaelic Warrior didn't perform. So it's hard to know really what to make of that race and some of the other races. Marine Dash are now disappointed. Uh, there are plenty of other short price favourites that weren't there at the finish either. Galapan de Champ was good. I think we can take him out of it. And Ballyburn as well. They were my two highlights. But the DRF just never really wows me. It's never a two days that I love. I know plenty of people do, but yeah, it's not for me. The Triumph Hurdle picture, if anything, hasn't been thrown open by any superstar. Willie Mullins got the one, two, three, four, but not in the order we expected, which was the same for a few of the races. Nothing out of this world in, in that juvenile contest, but I had to remind myself Lossie Mouth was beaten that race last year, but I'm still happy with my Sergino bet at the moment. Um, but yeah, it wasn't overly competitive, was the Willie Mullins Racing Festival. And as you say, Ballyburn, uber impressive, which was one of my selections on the Sunday at 10 to 11. I was very pleased with St. Davy, also across from these shores that won at 4 to 1. So those are mine. And then Ross Crossbar Miller. So many seconds and gut wrenching and Rillo at fourteen to one. That was one of the better tips. Um, Jalo at thirteen to two, Zenta at twelve to one. But it was Titan Discovery that I thought was the takeaway at six to one. And one that you discussed on your Miller's Movers, the podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet, is well worth listening to. Which week after week, uh, Ross discusses the movers and shakers from a handicap, handicap perspective. And have to say, Ross, he bumped into one on Saturday. Not normally do we see Nicky Henderson getting his horses well handicapped, but looks like he he did. But Titan Discovery, he'll be winning more. Yeah, Titan Discovery probably wanted the ground a little bit softer. Jinko Blue went up fourteen pound on Tuesday. When I saw that, I sort of very ready to say, well, that's him done with. But actually, you go back and watch it. I think he's the sort of horse that might improve for a bit of better ground. And actually, £14 might not stop him. I think he's the horse to follow into the spring. But yeah, Titan Discovery, Robbie Llewellyn is doing a really, really good job. He's unfortunate not to win with Hermia Legree at Sover last week. First run for him coming from Warren Greatrex. Looked to have improved him. He was going to bolt up, tipped up late on. He's a trainer to follow in his his sort of placing of horses is really good. And I think they did just bump into a really well-handicapped Nicky Henson horse, which, as you say, is not a usual thing. Yeah, and we'll be talking about handicaps and Nicky Henderson um, as we move into the Betfair hurdle. But before we move on, I just wanted to touch, and I know everyone at SVK want to extend their condolences to the friends, family, and all those at Ditchett 
of the tragic death of the point-to-point rider, Keegan Kirby. He, he sounded like an incredible young man, extremely passionate, a huge asset to the ditch at Yard. Um, his death, I think, really put into perspective the trivial issues we can get bogged down by and what and what risk riders put themselves into each day and just know that we all are thinking of the team there. And I'm sure Paul Nichols, his yard, will be eager to do him proud this weekend on a day at Super Saturday at Newbury. They have farmed in the past and they've really thrown in some of their, their good-looking types. And the Betfair Hurdle has, year after year, produced some thrilling races, produced some horses that have been seemingly on the right side of the handicap. And I think this is a really good feel to this race this year. Uh, we, The talking horse going into it has all been about Castle de Mott, a French recruit, recruit for Willie Mullins. He stands his ground and all bar Hansard were declared for the, for, for the race. So I think we've got a very good feel to this. 25 runners have to remind everyone that we've got soft ground and it probably will get softer as the rain continues to belt down. But we should start with Castle de Mott before we get into our, our, our selections for this race because... He comes into the UK, he's obviously trained in Ireland, with an official rating of 133. He's got a rating of 66.5 on the, on the over uh, hurdles for um, his French form. And I think if you get want to read deep into it, essentially what you do is you multiply that two to get your rating in the UK. And I think many uh, form buffs from France have seen this might look pretty lenient in terms of what he's done over in France. He's beaten a grade one winner. He's beaten a couple of others quite handsomely when he was last seen at a toy back last June. And I suppose, Ross, you're, you're a man on the ground in France. And I'm not sure how much you've looked into this kind of horse. But what do you know about him? What do you say? Do you think that he's thrown in? Do you think he should be favourite as it as it is? Because it looks like it could be a bit of a plot job here for the Mullins team. Yeah, he could be the real fly in the ointment, shouldn't he? So, yeah, as you said, the British handicapper will multiply the Irish, the French mark by two, so 133. The Irish mark, they still multiply by 2.2. So we'd actually have a handicap mark of 139 in Ireland. We generally talk and very often talk about adding Irish tax when Irish horses come over to the UK. So feasibly, if he'd have run in a handicap off 139 in Ireland, he could be running off 133, 144 here, and he runs off 133. So he could potentially be very well handicapped. He's not an absolute superstar. He's had seven runs, so he's not entirely unexposed coming out of France. He took five runs before he managed a win, which came at Compiègne in a listed race, which does look to have good form. Amy de Kiff was runner-up there. She's a three-time winner since, including in a grade one chase, although I think the form of that could be questioned. It perhaps wasn't the deepest grade one chase. But he then went to Autoy and was pulled up on his uh, penultimate start before leaving France. Uh, didn't really run any sort of race at all. And then went back to Autoy and won a handicap, which, you know, don't take a huge amount of winning at times. Mamik's Passion, who was runner-up, run really well since but hasn't won been placed plenty of times hasn't won and I'm just slightly reminded of Gaelic Warrior who came to, to the Cheltenham Festival in a very similar sort of style and looked very unexposed off a mark of 129 and we know now of course he was he was absolutely chucked in off 129 but he didn't win and I just think that the price is contracting you've not seen this horse you know in in regulation Irish UK hurdles racing in France is different they have got to acclimatize he's got to come across the Irish sea as well just he could bolt up but I just think if you're tipping him you're 
unless you know the French from inside out. And I think plenty of people that do know the French from inside out have questioned whether he's absolutely chucked in. He might be nicely handicapped, but not chucked in. I think the percentage call is to oppose him at the current price and just take your medicine if he is a, you know, a really special and bolts up. So the two I've gone with against him, and I've gone for horses that I think are going to like the like the testing ground because I think it's going to get soft, probably even heavy. Teller the name was a horse I was really interested in. I think it's a really impressive novice of Ben Pauling, but definitely wants better ground than he's going to get. So the two I came down on were Iberico Lord and, and Look Away from the Greatwood. The form of that race has worked out really, really well. Uh, you've got Lucia winning at Ascot, Songino winning at Aintree, and I mean Lyon was second in the Lanzarote. Go Dante won when went back to Cheltenham, and even seventh place Nicker Blocker Glory won at Ascot. It's a really strong piece of form. Iberico Lord was disappointing at Ascot next time, was reported to have stopped quickly, and that was on quicker ground and quite a messy race, so I could put a line through that. Um, I think he's going to enjoy getting back on this soft ground. He'll enjoy the long home straight at Newbury. Um, so I certainly want to have him on side. But if I like him, you've got to consider Lookaway, who's been a revelation this year. He's run some really solid races. He gets a £3 pull at the weights for just under three lengths from the Greatwood. He's going to bounce out in front, make his own running. So there's going to be no hard luck story in terms of lacking a bit of space when he needs it. He's going to stay very well, as he showed when uh, finishing second in the Chalo. Um, ran a really good race there, you know, against a dour stayer. He only came off second best very late on in the piece. Soft ground will suit him. £3 pull at the weights. He'll bounce out in front. Um, I think he's got plenty going for him. He's tough. Uh, I just like the angle of look away and Iberico Lord from the Greatwood against what I think is not a vintage Betfair field. Okay, yeah, and look away only up a pound for that very good second in a grade one. And so yeah, the handicapper hasn't given him a hard time in a race where the likes of Lucia at the top with a rating of 140, she's gone off up four for beating in Positoire, just a neck in that, in that Ascot race where a lot of them re-oppose. Just wanted a quick thought of the, the mare under control, who I know, Ross, you were quite keen on at the beginning of the season. She ran a much better race when she was second to Astro Diamond at the end of the month. And she doesn't necessarily have a bad rating compared to some of the others, but not one that you're going to play this time. No, I thought it was interesting that Nico was clearly happy to side with Iberico Lord. She did turn out quite quickly last year and it didn't seem to affect her. But given that she had an issue with her with her breathing and stopped very quickly first run this year, I just would be a little bit cautious about her on what I think will be very heavy ground. Good stuff. Yeah, I think that, it, as you say, it will be pretty testing. Um, I think you really need a horse that's been in a bit of a fight as well. It used to be a race where we wanted to find sort of an unexposed sort and potentially that you know, we don't really know where they are, are they are at yet in terms of their level. Um, maybe there's a bit of juice there and there are fair, quite a few horses in that respect in it. But Tom, I don't know what the stats have told us over the last couple of years because you go back and you think, well, you've got to be well-weighted. You've got to have a nice, you know, you've got to be at a nice level for this. But the last couple of years, we've seen the likes of Orkin Risk and Gloria and Fortune, who's sort of been around the block a little bit and have sort of added a bit of weight to my argument that you want a horse that knows how to be competitive. Yeah, exactly. As you say, the trends are a bit here and there over the last 10 years, and especially recently, it's been pretty hard to find the winner if you're looking for that classic unexposed type. I think this year we should go back to the unexposed look. Um, this field kind of looks like it's going to go to one of these lightly raced horses that's potentially well handicapped. 
And this favourite has to be taken on. I completely agree with everything Ross says about him. Yes, he could go and bolt up, but as a punter, you're looking for value. And there is no value in his current price, largely due to the fact he represents Willie Mullins. Uh, if you are betting him a four to one or shorter, then you do come under that category of mug punter, I'm afraid. Um, and I think you have to take him on, with, especially with all the places up for grabs here. For an each way selection, this is a, a bit of a paradise uh, for those kind of punters. And I'm going to do something that I rarely do on this podcast, and that is put up two horses in one race. I know you two like to do it every now and again. I very, very rarely do it, only for Cheltenham. But I'm going to do it here because I think this is a race you've got to attack. Uh, and the first horse I'm interested in is Brentford Hope. He looks to be targeted here uh, at this race by trainer Harry Derham, who I know I'm not just uh, the only person that, that has this opinion, but he has had a phenomenal start to his uh, training career. Looks like he's going to be one of the leading lights uh, in the training ranks uh, going forward for 10, 20, 30 years. Um, and, you know, with this type of horse that's come off the flat, obviously very talented on the flat. He was placed in Group 2, Group 3 company uh, with Richard Hughes, and he loved soft ground. That's why we didn't see him very often, and that's why his form was a bit inconsistent. Harry Derham has trained him to target a race where the ground is going to be testing off a nice mark. And doesn't this just look the perfect opportunity for him? He's rated 134. He's three from five over hurdles, including a course and distance victory. And I know I'm in Riyadh and it looks really sunny here, but back home, it is extremely wet. And the ground is going to definitely come for Brentford Hope. So I like him. I think a mark of 134 is very interesting. Cheap pieces put back on. Only the second time he's going to wear them. He wore them once on the flat, I believe, and he finished fifth in the group three. Uh, he ran OK that day. He was never near the front. But I think with the headgear back on off this mark, he could be a huge player. And the other horse that I'm interested in backing is Alto Belly, who is a shorter price, around eight to one right now for Harry Fry, but just looks like another horse who is unexposed, open to plenty of improvement and being targeted at this race. He's a big individual. He wouldn't have liked the ground last time. and He did very well to finish third in pretty good race. Uh, did a lot of late running that day and on his previous start when second. I think this bigger field, more testing conditions, will see Alto Belly run better. So Brentford Hope and Alto Belly for me, Jess. Okay, yeah, Brentford Hope have to agree with what you're saying about Harry Durham. And also this was the week that he really upped his game by going to the sales at the uh, the, the, the Brown Dispersal and bought Imagine and, and another horse for a lot of money. So he's trying to add a bit of strength and depth to his yard. And I think he, as you say, is a man going places. And like his boss, he knows how to place horses. They waited with this a little bit. I just was worried that it just looked like he, he reached the... A, a quite a hot, steep mark when he was last seen at Newbury. He's gone off a, an awful lot, lot in the handicap, so this will be a real test. But as you say, Bradford Hope and Altabelli, and I haven't been nicking notes, I promise. We, we all send in our selections, and I happen to have been the last one too, and I've taken a bit from both of you guys. But um, I agree with, with uh, TC and what you said about Altabelli. I like him as the, the one that isn't really the finished article. I thought he went through that race at Ascot far too keen. He'll probably like a little bit more pace, which will be set up by my other selection, Look Away. And he was doing a lot of good work. He was just lugging a little bit to his left and maybe it's like greener still, but he's a horse that clearly his yard, the Harry Fry team have liked a lot. He ran to a pretty decent level as a novice last season. So Altabelli is the one that might still be on the right side of the handicapper. And then as Ross has said, look away. You know, Neil King has made no secret about how high he regards this horse. And his record this year goes to prove that. A win in two excellent seconds in handicaps this term and stepped up into that grade one grade uh, in good style, just outstayed, as Ross mentioned. I think 
he's my horse that has sort of really shown how to be competitive and knows that, that, that there is a fight in him at the tail end of the race. And then Altabelli, my sort of more unexposed sort, who's got that really decent soft ground form, which I think it will be at Sat on Saturday at Newbury. And poor Newbury, they always seem to be fighting with the elements. It's either frozen off or it's very quick or there's always some sort of issue. So let's hope that it's not too testing um, and that we get a nice, decent playing field because it's not just the best for hurdle we've got the game spirit we've got the denman chase we've got the return of shishkin and before we get to naps next best ross we have we have followed shishkin's career with a fine tooth comb he's got more letters to his name than the alphabet and i just wonder whether this will be the day that he get redemption for what's been a very frustrating season for him in what i'd imagine is quite an an obvious and and slightly open race for him to go and win Yes, it is. But then we said that about the 1965 chase, didn't we? And he decided that it, it wasn't for him. Um, I hope all those creases are ironed out. I hope that he's back in a happy place. My one concern with him is if he's a little bit fragile mentally, that mistaken unseat at Kempton, he didn't do an awful lot wrong. And I just hope he hasn't gone a bit surly and questioning his jumping because his jumping was brilliant at Kempton. If he turns up in that sort of form, he'll he'll win this comfortably. And I think as racing fans, and I know some of us aren't Nicky Henson fans, but I personally am, we want him to run and run well because he's probably the one horse on natural ability that's capable of serving up to Galloping Deschamps at the Gold Cup. And that would just add a really nice layer of intrigue heading into the festival. Yeah, I would agree with that. So the Demon Chase, the 205 at Newbury, sees Shishkin. Uh, he's got four rivals, the likes of Protectorat and Hitman. Um, but from what we know from his level, what he can do, if he turns up the Shishkin we know and he gets round and he starts, he should be winning that Demon Chase, the grade two. Um, okay, let's do Naps the next best. And I think, Tom, with uh, the greater races in mind, I know that you're looking ahead to this weekend from um, one of the other races, the grade two, the Game Spirit Chase. One of your selections comes here. Yeah, the game spirit has kind of lost its magic in recent years. Uh, punters have generally dealt with small fields. I think the average over the last decade is just four runners per renewal and an odds-on favourite. There's been six odds-on favourites in the last 10 years as well. However, this year's renewal, albeit it's slightly small still with just six runners, is a little bit more enticing. Uh, you've got Funambul Sivala, who looks to return and win this race for the third consecutive time. Uh, you've got Editor de Gite, uh, you've got Calico, all three front runners. So you're guaranteed a good pace in this race. And that should really make it a match between Boot Hill and Edwardstone. And the market's kind of going that way. Both horses around two to one right now. Uh, the former, Boot Hill, I think is very much a flat track bully. Um, six of his seven wins have come on flat right-handed tracks. Ascot, uh, Kempton and Taunton. The other win, I believe, came at Newton Abbott. But that became a two-runner race uh, and it wasn't much of a heat. That's all right, Chino was second. Very good horse when he was uh, with us. Unfortunately, he's passed away now. But um, he only kind of developed later in his career, not at the time where he was racing against Boot Hill. So I'm not sure that this track, albeit Newbury is pretty flat too, is going left-handed. I don't think that will suit him as well as it will suit Edwardstone. Now, a few weeks back, when we were covering the race that Edwardstone was running in, um, I was very anti-Edwardstone, saying he hasn't won for a long time. And that is true. But this race should set up perfectly for him. Dropping back to the two miles in the game spirit, I think he's going to have everything set up perfectly. And I love the fact that the ground's getting softer for him. So my nap of the day is going to be 
Edward Stone in the game spirit, the 240 at Newbury. Hopefully he can get the job done for Alan King. And I'd be surprised if he goes off anywhere near 2-1. to one. I think 6-4, to 11-8 is a lot more accurate about his chance. I'll keep my next best a lot shorter. Uh, and it's Union Avenue in the listed bumper to end Newbury's card on Saturday, the 425. This son of Shantou was placed in a couple of points for trainer Colin Bow in Ireland. Um, he bumped into a nice one in Captain Bellamy on the second, of a, the second occasion. That horse subsequently moved to Paul Nichols, won a bumper, and then was not seen in a listed bumper uh, last time up. So the form is relatively strong. But this, look, this horse looks a completely different proposition since he's uh, started racing under rules. He won very impressively at Kelso first up. He actually slipped and almost came down on the bend that day. It's not written in the race comments, but if you watch uh, the replay back, you'll notice that, to be fair, he had an excuse for losing. Yeah, he didn't lose. He still won the race. So I'm marking him up dramatically for that. And then he won a bumper at Aintree beating a horse called Barland, who I really like as a longer-term prospect. He's going to be overlooked slightly in the market, I presume. We don't have prices at the time of recording, but there are plenty of Paul Nichols trainees in there, uh, etc. There's some good-looking horses. And because he's trained by Jimmy Moffat, I think he'll be a bigger price than he should be. So Union Avenue in a 425 at Newbury is my next best. Yeah, thanks for that. I think I read somewhere that Jimmy Moffat said that he thinks this, this could be one of the best horses he's trained. And they've obviously himself and Charlotte Jones have had such a, a great time of things, you know, maybe at the, the lesser meeting. So this might be their, their chance to shine in, in a on a big stage. Good, a good race that and I'll have more thoughts on that. And yeah, Edward Stone, interestingly, he's coming back in trip in a race where he doesn't have to worry about John Bond. So I think that's probably, you know, Alan King finding the opportunities for the horse to come back at his preferred trip. Of, of recent times when when the when the field's been just that slightly weaker so uh, good luck to edward stone he deserves a win to his name thanks to tom for your nap and next best to join your betfair uh, hurdle selections uh, ross obviously great racing at newbury uh, throughout the course of the day have you got anything else from that from the track yeah, it was a weekend where I struggled to find anything I particularly like, Jess, but I have got two. The Nap is a horse I do really like, Hasting for John Joe Neal, J.P. McManus. Uh, he was one of my hurdlers to follow for the season. I was impressed by what he did at Catrick last time. He coped with a drop back in trip from two mile four when winning at Leicester to two mile three at Catrick in a sharper track. And Pick Rock was given a really good front running ride by Keelan Woods. He finished runner up. Hasting came there travelling very comfortably and looked to be able to pick him up. And actually, the only jumping mistake he made came at the second last. Pick Rock winged it. He didn't. And for a moment, it looked like he might struggle to pick up Pick Rock. But he did and did so quite comfortably under quite tender handling from Richie McLernan. I think this is a really smart horse. The drop back in trip even further is a slight unknown and it might work against him. But I think the switch to the galloping track is definitely a positive. Catrick was far too sharp for him, really. Long home straight will suit him as will the heavy ground. I think he's a really smart horse. I suspect they're gearing him towards the EBF final, um, but I think he can pick this up along the way. And then that was the 12.55, if I didn't say. And then my nap, uh, my next best, rather, comes in the 1.30. It's Quintara for Mel Rowley, Charlie Deutsch. He's eight years old, but he's still pretty lightly raced and fairly unexposed for an eight-year-old. Um, he's missed plenty of chunks of his career so far. I think he should have won at Warwick last time. He perhaps idled a bit when he got to the front and then made a fairly dramatic jumping error at the final flight and got picked up late on. It's gone up £4 for that to a mark of 128 But on his penultimate start at Aintree, where he gave £10 and seven lengths to Gay Legacy, she's won since and she's now 117. I think a mark of 128 still looks plenty workable. Um, he's against some pretty exposed horses in the 130 and I think he'll pick up the winning thread again and land that for Mal Rowley. 
Okay, thank you. And uh, I'd like to hope that the John Joe Neal team will continue to have a good weekend as that's where my nap is coming from, um, from their yard. Inch House is running in 350, the Novices Limited Handicap Chase, where he's got the likes of Mr. Coffee, who must be one of the most frustrating horses in training at present. And I've saw some early betting with him at the top of the at the top of the market here, but I think Inchow should be. I think he'll be much better suited by Newbury, a track he's won, uh, won twice over this season. He was beaten by Stumptown last time with Gavin Cromwell, who just looked like a well, very well-handicapped sort. He, he kind of got first run on him. I think Inchow sort of tapped for a bit of toe and he ran on okay to his credit, but I think he'll be he'll be much better suited as as mentioned returning to Newbury in potentially not as a deeper race as that. So Inch House in the three fifty for me, and then four twenty five. I'm going to take on Tom Tom's bumper selection as I have been waiting to see Roman Roy run. Bryony Frost is on board. Harry Cobden um, has been his. Uh, gone on his stronic for Paul Nichols, but I don't know how much there is between that horse's stronic and Roman Roy. Maybe the fact that Roman Roy hasn't won a race yet, um, that that would be that would mean be no harm to to him. This horse, uh, Roman Roy, was a runner-up when I saw him running at Wincanton back all the way in November, and he had a horse behind him that day called Roy S. Yes, I think we say it, who won very comfortably at Newbury for Ben Pauling at the end of January. The form of the race in general has worked out pretty well. Um, Horace's Pearl, who won the race, I think is pretty useful. But Roman Roy is a horse that I was really taken by physically. I thought he kept on very strongly. He looks like a nice sort to begin, um, begin out again. We'll see if the ground might be maybe on the testing side but he's a blue brazil out of presenting there he seems to be i'd say manage it not too bad and i think he's won just at a potentially hopefully an each way price in that race at newbury so a lot to look forward to and uh thank you to to tom and to ross as always uh, we'll look forward to getting stuck into this and reviewing it this time next week as we prepare to get more focused on Cheltenham and as I mentioned last week well we will be having a Cheltenham preview coming out soon um, but for now uh, don't forget all new SBK users get £30 in free bets when you sign up and bet £10 for the first time head to SBK for lots of other offers and promotions throughout the weekend and another plug for uh, Ross Miller's Movers and Shakers as um, I listened to it this weekend and I thought um, it was a, a very insightful look at what we have seen and very important as we come to this sort of pinnacle moment with the spring festivals coming up so um, we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening.